You have probably noticed them. All these words and terms describing what is said to be the future of internet and also really important for how we interact, communicate and earn a living. You have the metaverse, Web3, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, DAOs, wallets, and I could go on and on and on. If you are anything like me, you sometimes hesitate to ask the questions that you really want to ask. What does this really mean? How does it work? We don't want to seem stupid, of course, or even worse, reveal that we might originate from the Stone Age and that we can actually remember a time where we didn't have an email address. It's actually not that long ago. But now you can relax. I have taken one for the team and started started asking all the questions you think might be stupid. And I can tell you this, they actually aren't that stupid at all. Stay tuned for this episode with Sander Andersen, the first one in what I think will become a mini-series about the future of work in the metaverse. This is Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about a future full of fantastic opportunities. My name is Veslemøy Klavnesberge, and I'm trying to figure out how we can all live good lives, have exciting jobs, and at the same time, take good care of the planet and everyone living here. I want to unlock the superpowers of everyday people so that together we can co-create a future we're all excited about. So come join me. The future is up to us and I know we can make it a good one. My guest today is quite an impressive guy. Sander Andersen, or Sander Andersen, as we would say in Norwegian, is only 25 years old. And I really had to scratch my head a little bit when I realized this, because he has already accomplished so much. He's co-founder and former CEO, now a board member of EntireBody, a platform and an app for exercise, health and wellness coaching. Recently, he founded Bees in Hive, a company that uses blockchain to democratize alternative investments. He calls himself an investor and builder in the metaverse and wellness industry. And he has some really interesting thoughts about what the future might look like when it comes to all these topics. I, of course, am especially interested in how the way we work can help us become more sustainable in all meanings of the word. And I think the space that Sander is in is so, so interesting. I have to admit that some terms are still a little bit blurry and hard to grasp, but I'm on my way after this conversation. I hope you will learn a thing or two as well. So please enjoy. Here is my conversation with Sander Andersen. Welcome, Sander, and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be a guest on my podcast here on Stories for the Future. Thank you very much for having me. And I know you have busy days, and I'm not 
just talking about the work because you recently became a father. And I know that can be quite time consuming. <laughs> How is it yeah, going? It's going very well. I have a girlfriend that um, are helping uh, us a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> lucky you. Is he sleeping all night or how is that? So uh, they still uh, yeah, sleep for three, four hours and yeah. then they do some food yes. for an hour or so. That's but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm able to, to sleep alone in the, uh, oh. from Monday to Friday and then we sleep together in the weekends. Okay. So I can prioritize work. That's so that's good. good. Very good. So first some context, because we live in the same city. Tunsberg, Norway, and you actually served as my mentor just a short while back when we were both part of this startup community. And you were a great mentor, by the way. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but you don't do that anymore. So then we need to know uh, who are you and what is it that you do? So yeah, I'm Sandra Anderson. I'm uh, 25 years old. I live with my girlfriend and we have a two-month-old baby together, as we have mentioned. Um, and yeah, as you said, based out of uh, Norway. And yeah, my daily work is more and more being an active investor where I both invest capital and time into projects where I'm very active. So not the a typical angel investment, but more like I invest time and resources when I when mm. I invest. Yes. So um, we will uh, get back to everything all around that. But first, uh, this season of Stories for the Future is very much about how to find that project or job or whatever you want to call it that lets you live a good life and also have a positive impact on the world. So one type of guest that I have focused on is the one who have made a major transition, a career transition towards something which is hopefully better both for themselves and for the world but but you are in slightly a different category i would say and that is those who can serve as inspiring examples and trigger curiosity for a specific topic or industry and the main reason i wanted to have you on this podcast was that i i think you have a very forward looking and interesting way of of looking at work and what we do for a living I think I need to read what you have on your LinkedIn intro because that really resonates me, with me and I think it is a very good frame for the rest of the conversation. So you say, with the internet, digitalization and software, the world has a new set of possibilities. The biggest opportunity lays in collaboration and equal opportunities. What you can accomplish in the world should not be based on where you live or if your parents have a lot of money to send you to the right university. It's a new era now. We can think globally due to the internet, which will eventually be metaverse. The metaverse isn't about gaming. It's about how we connect and collaborate with software as the source of trust. So... Yes, as I said, this really makes sense to me, but I might not understand everything that you put into it. So could you please share some of your thoughts around it? Yeah, let's start with defining metaverse. Um, <laughs> so 
I think McKinsey has a very good description of what a metaverse is, and that's the next iteration of the internet that seamlessly combines our digital and physical lives. So that's like plain and simple. Mm. I think we are already living in the metaverse um, with some applications. Like, for example, we have seen a lot of people building their brand, their company, fully digitalized. And there might even be um, with a nickname. Like, for example, the biggest influencer in the world, or one of them, is Mr. Beast. Very few people uh, know him as his first name or his um, surname, but everyone knows about Mr. Beast. And he has built this whole um, whole business around himself uh, through a YouTube channel. Um, so I think we are already starting to be there. I think many also think that Metaverse will be a more 3D version of the internet where we can actually walk and yeah, use VR, AR. Mm. But for me, uh, that's just parts of the Metaverse. The most important part of the Metaverse is how we interact and use software as a way of collaboration and communication. And what I mean by that is... Like when I started founding my first, or not my first, but the first successful company, Entire Body, we do exercise and nutrition coaching. And we started as a gig economy model. And gig economy is where you have a a software you work through um, with one common goal, but it's multiple players that can use that software to build their own business or their own portfolio of customers. And we saw the power of Having as long as you have the same goal, working together is actually very easy, even if you only work for yourself. And that software ended up being a preventive health software that we now sell to huge B2B clients, everything from insurance companies to uh, corporate wellness programs. So, and we started on Instagram. It was like, <laughs> and when I did that back in 2016, very few, especially in Norway, believe that you could build a business, a sustainable business on uh, Instagram. And today we see the power of influencer marketing and EntireBud is a company that has over $2 million uh, in ARR or yearly revenue. And we employ around 25 people. So it's definitely possible. Um, and it's uh, a topic I'm very, very interested in. Yes. And so uh, you mentioned then Entire Body that you founded back in 2016 and that you have built up. It's it's really, really impressive how you have built that. And I re- actually remember the first time I met you and heard about Entire Body. That must have been maybe 2017 or 18, first time. But uh, you have now left SEO, uh, right? But you're still on the board. So could you tell us a little bit more about what that company is and also how has that learning process been for you creating that company and the way that you have you did you change it over time? Yeah, I think uh, we ended up with a gig economy model by coincidence. I don't think that was a decision we we made. It was just Mm. like we saw the model or it fits very good with, with what we tried to accomplish. But what we do um today we um are helping around 
17,000 people living a more healthy lifestyle. And we are focusing on what we call lifestyle change uh, in regards to exercise and nutrition. But to ensure that you change habits, um, your exercise and nutrition habits, you, you have to establish a routine. You have to work with um, yeah, your habits, the, the psychological factors that establish habits. So we are like the, the support network for you as an individual um, to to live a, a more healthy lifestyle. That, that's the basic concept. It's a it's an app, right? Yeah, yeah. delivered uh, on an app and and web. So uh, I studied um, sports science back then. Um, um, before that, uh, before I was a full time student, I I had a a job and earned money and. When I started studying, I thought like living off this, um, what is it called? Like the student... Student loan? Yeah, the student loan. Um, but I quickly found out that that wasn't a lifestyle I wanted to live <laughs> with like 7,000 Norwegian kroner uh, a month. Mm. So I started a side project and that was uh, helping people accomplish their exercise and nutrition goal. And when I started that side project to, to earn some extra money, I found out that the industry lacked a lot of things like digital tools, for example. Everything was delivered through P- PDF, mm. Excel documents, uh, through emails. And I thought, okay, this could be done much better. And I think if I uh, build that system, I'm able to attract a lot of other very skillful people and we can then work together and help as many people as possible. So I recruited my uh, co-founder, um, a person co- that I have spent a lot of time with. We have um, competed in swimming together for mm-hmm. many years. Uh, he studied uh, computer science in in US and I was able to, to sell him uh, the concept and he was um, then starting to develop the platform. And since then, he has been the technical guy and I worked more on the recruitment and fundraising and that part of the job. So so how does it work then with all your employees? Are they are they full-time employees? Are they on projects? How, how do you, did you set it up? So um, they uh, rent a part of our platform um, and... Um, they have their own customers, but we do marketing and branding and everything together. Mm-hmm. So they work as individual uh, contractors. Uh, they are free to do whatever they want. So the only uh, only way for us to keep the coaches is is actually to deliver us so much value that they want to use us. And I think that's a perfect way to do a collaboration. Is not force them into collaboration, but actually do collaboration because you want to so it's a very uh, loose contract um they can have multiple um source of income Mm. we don't care about that we don't own them in any way but we try to facilitate for them to succeed and we know when they succeed they pay more rent and yes (laughs) everyone is earning more money and that money has helped us develop our software, which we now can do bigger B2B deals mm. with. And 
we have now multiple source of, uh, sources of income from the company side as well. And that has made uh, our company quite robust and especially looking forward. Nice. Is it now based in from out of Norway or did you, did you so move we it? Have, so our company is registered uh, in Norway, uh, but we have our tech department in Estonia. Okay. Yeah. Good. We will see. We will see in the future where we, <laughs> if the company stays in Norway. That's yeah. a, that's a huge question right now. We need to talk about your latest project, which is Bees in Hive. Great name, by the way. <laughs> uh, but what is this? And and what I want to do now is that whenever you say a word or a term or something like that, that I perhaps would think that not everybody knows what is then i will stop you and ask but you you don't have to go into all the details but so that we can understand the big picture so what is bees in hive so in short uh we are a tokenized asset management company okay there we are already tokenized <laughs> yes so um on on the blockchain um, like how, how the blockchain works, it works in blocks. Mm -hmm. So when new data getting uploaded to the blockchain, um, then um, it forms a block. Mm -hmm. And in that block, it's a lot of tokens or that like call it a data point that refers to the blockchain. Yeah. You can see why it's a bit complicated, <laughs> right? I I kind of want you to draw it, but it's it's kind of yeah. I have I have an idea, but I think it's it's something that needs to grow on people um, to, to really understand the way of thinking. But yeah, please yeah. go on. So uh, what we do, we take uh, traditionally illiquid assets, which is assets that. Uh, yeah, doesn't have uh, liquidity around it. It's not uh, on a stock exchange. Um, and typical uh, can be private-owned company or a real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. So we buy part of that and we uh, that ownership we tokenize and upload it onto the blockchain. Okay. And when we upload it to blockchain, it's then tradable, uh, what we call fragmentational ownership. No, sorry, fractional ownership. Mm -hmm. So let's say uh, it's a hundred real estates. Um, and a normal individual can't buy hundred <laughs> real estate and diversify their investments. But here they can buy one part of it, like for example, one of one million blocks. So you get access to deals that you haven't been able to get access to before. And in that way, we redistribute wealth to ensure that everyone gets access to the most profitable deals out there. Because it's not, not a secret that the richest people in the world has access to uh, and the time to invest in illiquid assets that requires a lot of capital that often has been available for privileged people only mm. we make that available for everyone and through uploading it to the blockchain um and you make it available okay so is this for everyone so 
we um, target uh, younger people mm-hmm. um, since they have a different view on the world. They don't necessarily want to own a real estate uh, or a or a home in the beginning, um, and they are much more reserved towards student depth. Uh, so yeah, that, that's our ideal uh, target audience is the young, younger generation that looks at financial wealth in a new way. But you you don't, it's not closed for people my age? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, that, that, definitely not. No. Uh, so, um, but yeah, we, we have a target audience, yeah. which is um, I see. skewed towards younger, mm. younger and digital people. Yeah. Okay, so so what what you recently started, right? It was this summer or something like that. So yeah, how how does it work then? How the how do you build it up? So th- this is uh, something we need both crypto and financial licenses for. Mm. So it's a much more long term project than uh, entire body, for example, which we could enter the market uh, quite quickly. Mm. Um, so right now we are working on building a community, um, and yeah, through that community, we get feedback and, and all the things we need to develop a platform, um, when we wait uh, for the license. Okay. So you are, where does that license come from? Cyprus. Oh, okay. We will register the company in Cyprus. Ah. And then we will have a uh, license for the whole EU and providing token, tokenized assets uh, for the EU market. Okay, so when when somebody wants to get involved with this, what, what you explained this to me briefly last time we spoke that you need to like you need to have this wallet and you need to where do you what, let's say you're just you haven't done this before at all you don't have any any crypto or any anything in that uh, where mm-hmm. do you start so um to start interacting with the blockchain in general uh, we are building on top of uh, ethereum uh, which is the second biggest cryptocurrency and uh the, the biggest blockchain really mm-hmm. and where is most activity and um to to interact with the blockchain you need a wallet and the wallet is collecting all these tokens, um, which is uh, call it like references uh, to the blockchain. So everything is transparent on the blockchain, and the tokens makes it possible to to track it back in, in time. So you you have to um, make a wallet. Mm-hmm. Through, for example, MetaMask is one of the the bigger ones, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. It's an internet wallet. And instead of having a, like your username and your date of birth, you can just log in directly uh, with your wallet. Mm-hmm. So it's the same type of thing that you have like a physical wallet where you have your uh, cards, your money, your access pass to the gym. The, the same will apply here where you collect these tokens, which makes you uh, that that can represent money, that can represent memberships, mm-hmm. that can represent art or whatever. Um, we have all seen a lot of um, hype around NFTs. Yes. Um, 
and um, yeah, non-fungible tokens, which makes it possible to to prove ownership and unique ownership on the blockchain, and that have been used much in, in the art space, but also music and and stuff like that. So the wallet collects all these tokens and may ensure that you you own all the tokens. Right. So you mentioned Ethereum. Yep. I I had planned to ask you about the um, the energy consumption, mm-hmm. and then I saw this. I think it was this morning or today uh, that you posted something about something Ether- Ethereum yep. and energy. Could you explain that? What happened? Yeah. So Ethereum uh, has recently uh, changed from the proof of work mechanism to something called proof of stake mechanism. Yeah, explain the difference there. So the short explanation is that the previous uh, mechanism was very energy consumption, like used a lot of energy because to validate a block, you had to have a lot of computers Mm -hmm. compete to find the right uh, cryptographic key to ensure that the block was validated and added to the blockchain. Right. Now they do it with proof of stake, which is you stake or you put your Ethereum uh, on on hold. <laughs> so you say that, um, so, and use that, that as a trust. So you don't have all these computers and miners doing the process anymore. You do it by another more energy-friendly mechanism. Okay, so how much less energy? You don't have to know the number, but is it it's so, huge? So uh, the Ethereum uh, energy expen- uh, expenses has been reduced by ninety nine percent. Wow! Oh, and they estimated the Ethereum blockchain to use around zero point five percent of the world energy consumption. Mm. So it's quite a lot. Mm. So with this update from the what the researchers from uh, Ethereum said is that they have been able to reduce the energy consumption with 0.2% for the whole world. So mm. it's quite significant. That it is, yeah. Um, so they're definitely going into the right way. Uh, I think... In the next year or so, we will see them be ESG compliant, mm. which will make it um, possible for bigger companies to start building on the Ethereum. Because that, that's the thing with Ethereum. You can build applications on top of it. Okay. So you can actually look at Ethereum as the internet. Just mm. instead of like uh, centralized servers, you are building a new internet with the blockchain and a decentralized server structure as an infrastructure. Hmm. Um, right. Yeah. So, so with this this energy, like this improvement in energy use, do you see this as the future? Do you think this is the way that we're going with everything? Like yeah. everybody owning a wallet with all this, and that's the way that we will work. I think uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. How how long in the future is that then? I will say that um, total Ethereum users is approximately the same as internet users in 1998. Okay. So I will say that 
I'm very confident that in 20 years we will have all we will all have a wallet and interacting with that every day. Mm-hmm. But I think it will happen much quicker than that. Mm. Yeah. But the latest 20 years, maybe even it's down to five years because you as a user won't necessarily have all the issues you face today with wallet is very complicated. You have to have a technical knowledge. The mm. ease of use is quite hard. Um, and that's why you see a lot of adoption from the tech guys. Um, but I, I think the innovation will happen so quickly that we, you won't even think of it as a wallet. You just think about, oh, that's my digital profile. Mm. And that's my digital collectibles. That's my digital money. You don't need to mention tokens you don't need no. to mention uh, yeah nfts blockchain all this will be unnecessary uh, when more marketing guys are coming on board <laughs> yes and i yeah. if you if you compare it to the internet unlike you i can remember when we first like the, the first the first web page almost and at at the beginning you're really curious about how does this work and you're almost a little bit suspicion suspicious uh so if it's the same as that, the internet I mean today is so natural, you just use it. So if it's the same mm-hmm. development when it comes to having a wallet, I guess you don't have to be technical or know all the details in order to use it. I think that, that will definitely be the case, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, interesting. The future is very exciting. <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. DAOs. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the way you pronounce it in in English as well? DAOs? Yeah. Yeah. DAOs. Yeah. Yeah. So, every whenever I meet a person that mentions DAOs or that I see that there are some, somewhere into uh, that term, which is decentralized autonomous organizations. I immediately start uh, asking questions because I, I'm so curious about this. And uh, like your LinkedIn intro uh, really resonated with me. I It's a lot about what I have understood about DAO so far that also makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, so, Anya, I know that you have been working with this. So could you put on your most pedagogic hat and, and try to to explain how a DAO is built up and well wh- what's the what's the opportunities in, in it and what are the challenges if any yeah so um i, I will say that instead of having a hierarchy uh, as we have in the traditional in traditional companies in DAOs, you have a much uh, flatter um, structure where you vote for most of the decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some it's different, um, what I call consensus mechanism or how to agree is different between DAOs. But the general idea is that you give the users, employees, and yeah, in the, the people in the community the power to vote, the power to have a saying in which direction you want them, the company or, or the organization to go. Um, so a DAO is uh, built up by tokens again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hold tokens in your wallet, uh, which represent your ownership and which um, 
type of decisions you can contribute to or which or how much power you have in that organization um and how it works is that the 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 leaders it's still often leaders or founders in a DAO, but they when they make a decision they ask their community so should we go and do a or should we do b and they put out information about both options and then they let the community vote on on the decision and they can even ask the community to contribute to the decision um and get paid for it uh-huh. so everybody has um, the same uh vote uh like no matter uh, w- one token o- always represent the same or not always but in most um a typical case is that you own one token and I own one token. We have the same saying. Right. But of course, in, in DAOs as well as companies, you have bigger owners. Mm. So some might own 20 tokens and you own one. But you still have a saying uh, with one token. And that's why in DAOs it's often... Um, or a hot topic in DAOs is how do you distribute ownership uh, to ensure that both uh, the founders and the people with the vision are able to execute the idea because we know that's important. Mm. But in the same way, you also should listen to the community. So they have some yeah, different voting mechanism that makes it more equal or other are making it more one vote, one token, one vote structure where the, the, the money talks or the yeah. ownership yes. talks. Yeah. Okay. And so would it work as if if you build up a DAO and somebody sees that or hears about that and they they know that they can contribute? Is it then open to anyone who has something to contribute with? It, it depends on the invite structure of the DAO and of course if someone is willing to sell their tokens. Yes. Um, okay. So it is a set number of tokens from the start, and then yeah, it often that's often the case. Or you have seen examples where they are issuing new tokens when they want new new okay. owners. Yeah. So a little um, bit like stocks. I will say it's much like the stocks. Yeah. Uh, but the positive thing with tokens is that it. You can give different rights. You can incentivize them directly, uh, and it's fully digitalized. So you don't, uh, or good and bad, you don't necessarily need to uh, focus on ownership laws mm. in the same way because you you tax and do your ownership in your where you live, and the DAO is operating autonomous on on the internet. You are not necessary in a jurisdiction directly which is a good and bad thing yeah so then they're trying to regulate it okay so because then we come to the what are the uh, going back again to your what you say on linkedin like with equal opportunities and i guess that is one of the opportunities in this but you say there's also some challenges so what are the biggest Mm -hmm. opportunities and what are the biggest challenges would you say so, so for me, what, why I'm so interested in the blockchain and an internet of value is that 
as long as I have access to the internet and have the skill set the organization need, I can prove that I'm the right person to do the job and get the job mm. and be compensated by the work I do, not where I live. Mm. So, for example, we have seen that the people from richer countries are going to develop like more developing countries and buying cheap uh, development. Mm. And, and that might be good. It might be even good for the economy in general. But if we had a digital economy, we wouldn't need that. You mm. could just like, okay, we are looking for a developer and we pay $50,000 a year. Mm. Or hundred thousand, or two hundred thousand. It doesn't matter if you are from Africa, mm. India, Norway. You still get paid what the organization think is the compensation for that job. Yeah. Yes, because th- that's the thing. You, when you have a, a skill set that can be done fully digitalized or remotely, I don't see any reason why if you are born in Silicon Valley or, or in Nordtodden in in Norway, <laughs> why should it be any difference? Yeah. As long as you can do the same job, it's true. And so, so that's the opportunity with blockchain. Since you have a reference to the blockchain, the open internet, it's uh, you have full transparency, and it makes the world more transparent and give more equal opportunities. And I, my personal opinion is that we haven't seen the the need for a Harvard degree to secure the best jobs out there. Mm. Because show me your portfolio. If we like it, you get the job. Mm. They're actually looking very little at the CV. Uh, more like what can you actually produce. Mm. So that I think is the biggest opportunity. A global market where everyone... As long as they work hard. I, mm. I don't think everyone should get the same. I think that's a dumb idea. But um, I think everyone should be able to get the same mm. if they do the work necessary. And then you have the limitations. And especially today, we have some limitations on in the DAOs and blockchain space in general. And that's regulation. It's still mm. a lot of challenges since it now operates globally. Who do you tax to? Yes. Um, which law? Um, jurisdiction? Yeah. Everything is still a bit um, unclear. And some tokens has faced uh, some uh, SEC issues in US because they are looked as a uh, security. Uh, but others operating fully, um, fully without any problems. So law, um, uh, we need regulation, in my opinion. Mm. Um, The other thing is that it's hard to figure out a system when it comes to DAOs that doesn't necessarily uh, give a lot of, or like give more power if you have more money. Mm. Like, uh, because... In one way, the world is very fair. If you can collect enough of the uh, money, you, you have the power. And capitalism doesn't care at the end of the day um, 
how how you accomplish that. And that's the same. Like you could, if you are from Africa and able to get a lot of money, you have a, a fair chance, right? Mm. That's very hard, and I think we need to look through. Or I don't know. It's a very very complicated uh, topic, mm. which I haven't been able to uh, decide which or what I believe in to be. Uh, okay. <laughs> thank you, well, we, because we need capitalism, but yes. monopoly is not good. Like, how do you, uh, because can you judge Facebook by being the place where everyone wants to be? Right. Yeah. It's very hard. It's like, very hard. the reason why they can collect all this data is because we love to use it. Mm. Um, should they be regulated in another way? Should it, when your scale is so big, should you then be regulated as a country? Mm. <laughs> or like, um, or should we let people, um, yeah, have a net worth of $300 billion? Because that's not necessary for people. No. Like, uh, I, I truly believe in a world where we create more, millionaires and less billionaires yeah because you have plenty of money if you have 100 million dollars you don't need 800 (laughs) or 1 billion (laughs) that's true but but i still think the motivation is needed if you can't have a system where you get rewarded with 100 million people don't want to do Mm. the hard stuff Mm. It's very complicated, and I haven't been able to make a conclusion on my own. You you have plenty of time. You're only only twenty five. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but uh, I, I see a lot of interesting uh, discussions and things happening in this space. In the and don't you think that this is evolving all the time? And suddenly there's a new like pivot in in the whole space that will make things different again. Absolutely. Like if you look at the history and uh, you have seen like Bitcoin back from 2009, people were very skeptic about digital money. Mm. Like, uh, but the, over time it has evolved. And in 2015, Ethereum um, started and we started building on top of the blockchain. And I think now we are at the point where more and more people accept that or uh, accept that blockchain will be part of our future mm. we, we have to deal with it in one way or another and um, most countries have said the same like cryptocurrency is here to stay the same with the blockchain yes um so it, yes it will evolve but going uh, just a just short back to the the regulations when it comes to DAOs and the way that all this works how are they how are they working to regulate it? And who are they? Who are they exactly. yeah. <laughs> Try to regulate it? And do they have the right expertise to yes. actually make the new laws? I, I think the answer to that, that is very simple. It's no. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they don't understand the space good enough. I think we need f- five to ten <laughs> years before... Um, we see people in the governments mm. that has high uh, degree of expertise. But I think uh, private companies, internet communities, 
will push them to do the right thing. So I think the the change will happen much quicker, but um, it takes time before we have like government uh, people that are Web3 native or Metaverse native. Yes, <laughs> like, uh, but maybe, I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> you should, maybe somebody should do something about like educating. Do we have time to wait for all the 25-year-old uh, people that are born into this? and sh- Or should we try to educate uh, older people? To... I think everyone has a responsibility to educate. As yes. long as you have something good to give to the world, you should definitely spend some time creating content and educate as best as you can. Mm. So I think that's uh, like a... As a society or a community of change, we should all spend time on educating. That's this. That isn't specific to blockchain. That is climate change, mm. um, AI. We we have to accept that most people don't ca- or most people don't care mm. um, Just until they care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but when they are having fun content that are easily uh, digestible, then they can start to learn about the climate change, the AI, the blockchain. But it mm-hmm. can't be 40 pages reports. No mm-hmm. one, or mm-hmm. then you have to be very interested. So I think everyone that has a message uh, inside of them should speak loudly about it, mm-hmm. even if it's controversial. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and when it comes to like um, enjoying it, not reading the forty pages report, I think that comes back again to the the way that we work, and that's the kind of the the overall theme of my my podcast is how do you enjoy it and find what you're good at at the same time, and how that makes everything more impactful because you do better work when you actually enjoy what you do, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. And I think as long as we can stop educating people when they're 18 years old to mm. ask them, what type of education do you want to do? Or like, which university you want to apply? I think that's the wrong question to ask young people. They, they should be asked, what do you enjoy doing? Yes. And then the bricks will eventually fall in place for your life. I think that's very important. I think the school system is doing a terrible job of educating people to create a life they enjoy. Mm. I agree. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we are approaching the end here, but I always, my last question is always about the future. So this time a little bit different because of the theme. And I want to ask you or relate it to the future of equal opportunities, the way that we work and how we collaborate. So, and in this season, I have asked people three years out because it has often to do with climate change and sustainability. And I think we have we're in a hurry. So I, that's why I have shrunk my time period from 10 to three years. But even though maybe three years is a little bit short for you, but how do you see this space evolve in the coming years? You have touched on it, but maybe mostly about work and how we do this. I I think the area where we have one employer is over. Mm hmm 
Uh, I think uh, we will see, uh, yeah, a much more or a world where we distribute uh, knowledge in a new way, and we start accepting that one person can work for multiple companies uh, because they provide so much value. So I think we we call them freelancer today. I think that's the wrong word, uh, but. Um, because you have already seen that influencers and like personal brands has has been made into companies. Mm. They have done the completely different way. They're not starting a faceless company, but they started as an influencer and evolved it into a company and not the other way around. So I think the future of work is a place where you have multiple employers. You get paid for what you're good at and what you can deliver, not how much many hours mm. you spent on it, since everything will be uh, trackable. And and that's the, for me, at least the beauty of the blockchain is everything is transparent and it's impossible to to, to change when it's, when something is uploaded on the blockchain, you can't delete it. Mm-hmm. You can only add to it. Mm. And I think that's a perfect thing. I think, a good example, I think the internet would be a very more friendly place if everything we wrote on Facebook uh, was written into our CV. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> good point. <laughs> and I think we will go into that direction. Mm. I think, yeah, for, for good and bad. I think we will. Um, it will be much more transparent for everyone to see what I can do and what I'm not so good at. Mm. And I get uh, hired based on what I can prove, not what I can say. Yes. And you also have the, had this uh, good example, I think, from like typical service or trade where you were, which is kind of seasonal, that you can yeah. also like use your skills in different, with different employers uh, through the years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I uh, had a, like an accountant. Yes, example. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. D- different countries has different periods where it's more work for an accountant, mm. and I think we will see much more w- work where people work for months a year and then distribute their skill set to to different companies. I, I think that will be also a very common thing. Mm. I, I think it sounds very, very exciting because it, you get this variation. <laughs> and that's something I enjoy yeah. at least, yeah. And and I think as long as you are hyper-focused on delivering value inside of your circle of competence, it's totally fine having multiple employers. Mm. Absolutely. Um, of course, it's hard to be... So, some roles requires, of course, to be there full-time all the time and... But yeah, I think the general uh, jobs we do, like yeah, non-executive jobs will be um, different in the next couple of years. Mm. So for yourself, what's, in the, what's the focus going forward? So yeah, after I got my first trial, I started to think a bit more long-term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and my risk appetite has also go significantly uh, down. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm now in the process of um, building my knowledge around uh, 
fully digitalized business models. I think that's where I can provide a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And especially when we add uh, decentralized finance and uh, what we have talked to today into that skill set. I think that is a skill set that is highly relevant and something very important for the rest of my life. And I want to try to think long-term and build my expertise around that. And yeah, I, I have a vision where my son, when he is 20 years old, I hope we live in a world where whatever you work from, if if that's New York or Thailand, um, or yeah, that, that shouldn't matter mm. uh, as long as you can deliver. And I want to contribute to that. And I'm very focused on the wellness, uh, health and wellness area. Um and together with decentralized finance. So if I can ensure that I have done the best as I can to give more people access to preventive health services and include it into a financial system where they can grow, I think I I have done my my job as good as I can. Yes. Yes, no doubt. I will I will keep uh, stalking you paying attention <laughs> to what you're doing. It's very interesting. So if some of the listeners want to know more about what you're doing or get in touch, what is the best way to reach you? I'm a LinkedIn fan. Yes. So uh, LinkedIn, uh, Sandra Anderson, I'm both very active there. And yeah, it's very easy to, if you have any question. Just send my message and I reply all of them. Yes, I will put the link in the show notes so that people can find you easily. Thank you so much. Yeah. It has been very interesting. I have learned a lot and I, I think some of the listeners have learned uh, something as well. I, I think I'm not alone in not knowing everything about this space. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much. We, we, we hope so. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Don't you agree with me that this is a very exciting topic? I think so, more than ever. And I agree with Sander, we all need to get educated on this. Not necessarily by knowing all the technical stuff, but by showing interest, reading up and think about how this can all be used in a way that gives everyone equal opportunities, no matter where you live or how rich your parents are. Please let me know if you know about someone that you think I should bring on as a guest to shed even more light on the topic. I am all ears and ready to learn more. But that's all for today. Until next time, go exploring, learning and be curious about the future. And I will be back soon. Stories for the Future is made and edited by me, Veslemøy Klavnesperge. You will find all links and information for this episode and everything else related to this podcast on storiesforthefuture.no. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you would like to show your support and make it easier for other people to find this podcast, I would be really grateful if you would leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Stories for the Future. Until next time, 
go out and make a dent in the world. There's work to be done and impact to be made. And we can actually have a lot of fun along the way. <laughs>